On today's episode of Double Down Trent, apologies need to be handed out. The model, Aaron, needs to apologize not just to myself, not just to AK, but to Georgia Nation. The Bulldogs went out and they took care of business. They beat Auburn and they still control their own destiny. I've been saying it all season long. They just need to win out. Well, we are actually going to preview the Georgia-Texas A&M game this week to see if the Bulldogs can punch their ticket to the SEC championship game and perhaps an appearance in the playoff. And then we look at the other big game of the week, which is Ohio State and Penn State. Who's going to be victorious? That's a massive spread in that game. So stay tuned to see what the man and the model have to say about that. And then we welcome back our very own NFL insider, Coulter. As we look back at the week that was, he predicted that the Eagles were going to be an absolute lock to cover against the Patriots. Time to pay the Pied Piper, my friend. But we're also going to look ahead to week 12, Is anyone going to pick the Thursday night game? And not to mention, we've got a head-to-head, a key pick game goes against another picker. So stay tuned for episode 57 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Aaron, a.k.a. The Model. Aaron, we've got some apologizing to do. You know, I think we should put this right at the top of the show. To all the Georgia fans who listen to this podcast, I'd like to apologize. I was off last week. I had taken Auburn plus three and a half. I thought they were going to win the game. The Bulldogs came through. And in my, you know, uh, repentance to you all, I am wearing my Georgia red today. Yes, you are. I see that. Uh, On behalf of Georgia Nation, I would like to accept your apology. Uh, Officially, though, AK has to uh, accept it as well. So I'm going to have to listen. (laughs) She'll be the judge of this. If you uh, need to do a further apology, I will relay that to you. (laughs) Please, please follow up with me. I can uh, I'll handle that and have to do that in person. Yeah. Uh, Major win for the Bulldogs. Uh, They are alive and well. I've been saying it pretty much all season since they lost to South Carolina, that they still control their destiny. That remains true this week after a huge win against Auburn, and it's really going to make things interesting uh, moving forward here. But I would like to throw in a little Larry David, curb your enthusiasm, and say, having said that, I owe you an apology. See, you you thought I was going to say something about Georgia, but no, (laughs) I owe you an apology. (laughs) Uh, Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had talked about your Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh Uh-huh. Just being out there in the Midwest, you uh-huh. seem like a Midwest guy sometimes <laughs> saying that they would beat Rutgers, Purdue, Minnesota, and Illinois to complete your little trifecta. And we came up with odds. We said, uh, you know, this is the odds that's going to happen. It was a made up little prop bet. And I said, not so fast. I said, Minnesota, yep. and I didn't necessarily say Minnesota would be the team that would do this. But once Minnesota turned out to be the team that they are, I felt so confident. 
so confident that I picked Minnesota in the game. I was like, this is not only going to win me a pick. It's also going to win me this bet. And guess what? It fell fucking flat on its gopher face. Burn baby burn. I could not be happier to see those Hawkeyes actually come through and have a big win. They've been so close this year. Now they just have one more to go. And I love it. They just have Illinois, Illinois coming up this week. Yeah. And that game in, uh, in hindsight really bothers me. I, something about it felt funny. Iowa tends to have these games where they knock off a big team late in the season. It just, it, it smelled funny and I should have spotted it and I did not. It was a bad job by me. Not only did I lose the pick in our competition, but it really sets you up nicely to win our little prop bet here on Iowa. And we shall see. I will be tracking that one closely come Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it also made me feel like Minnesota, maybe we got out a little ahead on them and they are not exactly the contenders we thought they were, but, uh, who knows, who knows? So, uh, the other big news was Tua going down with that devastating injury. And that really makes Alabama in a very, uh, tricky spot now because they're a different team, obviously without Tua. They're sitting here and let's do a little playoff recap here. They're sitting there at five. I'm not sure how this bodes well for them moving forward. It's going to be a real, real tough road for them to get into the playoff, I think. Yeah. And I'm not totally sure how this is all going to play out. So the thing that I had mentioned last week, I just took a small position on Alabama to win the national championship at 1250, which is right around 7% chance for them to win. Now that Tua is out, uh, that makes it feel to your words earlier, very precarious. I like that they're positioned as at number five, you know, kind of being positioned as maybe the next one up. If one of the top four were to lose, yep. you could very much see that happening with a, a big uh, game coming up of Georgia LSU. Now, if let's pretend Georgia does lose that, what I'm hearing more and more from the media out there is that maybe Alabama isn't the team to rise into that last spot, that it actually might be coming from the PAC 12 winner, whether that's Oregon or Utah. That makes me extremely nervous. That position could go to shit super quick, and uh, I don't know what to do about it. What do you think? Yeah, I had previously said that I don't see a road for a Pac-12 team to make it. Well, that road just opened up, I think. They're going to be in a good spot. Uh, The one scenario, and let's play it out, and it's going to be sacrilegious to my Georgia Bulldogs, so all the Georgia fans, please, earmuffs, don't listen to this. Uh, The road that I see for a Pac-12 team, be it Oregon or Utah, is that Georgia and LSU face off in the SEC championship game and LSU just absolutely throttles them. That would eliminate Georgia. They'd have two losses. You're not putting them in. Uh, If Alabama wins out, I guess you could still make a case for them. I just don't think the committee is going to put in given that two is not playing unless they come out and just absolutely steamroll their way to the end of the season. If they're not playing in the, in the SEC championship game, they don't have to, uh, I just, I can't see the committee electing to put them in over a one loss, be it Utah or Oregon, who is coming out as a PAC 12 champion. And the committee also came out and really emphasized the PAC 12, or at least they think the PAC 12 is a little stronger than the big 10 because Ohio state's getting in. I think even with a loss, they might get in, but I'm just assuming they're going to win that conference. I don't think Minnesota's for real after that loss. I don't think Penn state's for real. So you're looking at a one loss pack 12 team, making it in. That would be mind boggling to me based on the narrative that's started at the beginning of this year. Still a lot of football to be played. I wouldn't be surprised if we have, 
you know, absolute chaos with one of the Clemson, LSU, or Ohio States going down in the next couple of games, and then who knows what's going to happen. Uh, but it should be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, if one of those teams goes down, then throw everything we just said out the window because that's that's chaos. But I don't see that happening. Clemson is going to win out. Ohio State's got some tests left, but I do think they're just an infinitely better team than the rest of their schedule. I know they're playing Michigan. I know they got a, a tough a tough road ahead here, but they're the, the eye test. They passed the eye test. Okay, they're better than Michigan. They're better than Penn State. I don't think they're going to lose and get tripped up, and I think they're going to beat whoever it is that they're going to play in the Big Ten championship game. So I got them being in. I got Clemson being in. It's just going to come down to LSU and Georgia and what happens in the SEC championship game. Yeah, and speaking of Ohio State and Michigan, so Ohio State has some two big games coming this week and next week, and we're including uh, both of them in our regular season picks competition. So just so everyone knows, we have two weeks left to play. This week, we are going to be picking five games. Next week, we are going to be picking six games. That's right. Six games you get for the price of five. You get six. One of those games next week, no shocker to anyone, will be that Ohio State-Michigan game. Awesome. Love it. An extra game. All that means, all I'm hearing is that I got an extra game to catch up to you in the standings and make a little run down the wire. I figured you need a little bit of a, you know, a shot. So I'm throwing it out there. I'm throwing you a bone. We'll see how this all lands. Hey, the model is a man of the people. He's a generous model, if anything. So appreciate that. I also want more options to see if I can go catch Jojo, who's still currently in first. So we'll see. Fuck Jojo. Well, that's a good little transition here. Let's uh, jump into the listener standings and the results from last week. All right. So in first place right now, we actually have a tie. We have two folks, both at 59% accuracy. We have Jojo and Shep Dog. Now, Jojo had a two and three week last week, and Shep Dog went three and two. So that's why you're seeing those two matched up right at the top. That's going to be, uh, you know, neck and neck. We'll see if uh, one of them ends up winning it out or if there's going to be uh, a, a black horse, dark horse. Dark horse. <laughs> Thank you. Who comes from behind? And, and, you know, maybe that's me just putting that out there. Or me. Maybe I'll be the black horse. Maybe I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Uh, in third place, we have Graham, uh, 56% accuracy. Fourth place, we have a tie, Lenny and the Little Model. Lenny had a phenomenal week last week. He went four and one. Little Model at uh, three and two. Again, 54% accuracy. I am in sixth place at 52% accuracy. Colorado Rocky, 50% accuracy. Good for seventh. In eighth place, just a hair behind mini model and the man you both at 49% accuracy, still very much in it. Luann starting to, uh, lose things here two and three last week at 48% accuracy. Love to turn the knife. If I ever can AK, not too far behind at 47%, the legend 44 dumb man, 47, 43, and still in last place. Deek buff, 36% accuracy. Struggling, man. I, if I could say anything to Deke Buff, it's you're not eliminated yet. Okay. Dumb man is within reach. You just need a couple of good weeks and we got 11 games on the docket. 11 games to go. You still got a shot. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the games that we picked because there are some really interesting games that took place last week. There were some doozies for sure. So the first one, not close, not close. The first game that we picked last week, we went to the ACC. Clemson was a huge home favorite of 32 points. That game was an absolute blowout. Wake 
my own Wake Forest Demon Deacons just got steamrolled from start to finish. We, you and I both had taken uh, Clemson minus 32, and boy, did they cover. Yeah. Uh, do you want to address that as a, an alum of Wake Forest? I don't know how that sits you know, that badly. I've seen this happen so many times that the Clemson just has superior athletes that we just can't keep up with. Dave Clawson, I think, is a phenomenal coach. And because we're so competitive in these other games where we're just not overmatched physically, it really goes to show how good of a coach he is with his schemes and, and play calls. To me, I don't think the play calls even even mattered in this in this respect. We just simply didn't have the bodies and the physicality that we needed. So to me, this is something I've seen in the past. I was not surprised to see it. I'd love to see Wake win a couple more games uh, and head to a great bowl, but this was uh, not a shocker. Yeah, that was a tough one to watch, but I think we we both picked Clemson, so obviously we knew that was a possibility there. But yeah, Clemson just you nailed it, man. They got better athletes. For sure. The second game that we had, uh, we already alluded to this, Iowa minus three over Minnesota. That was a huge win for me. I had taken Iowa minus three while you landed on the side of Minnesota. Yeah, we addressed this one earlier. Uh, I'm mad at myself. I should have saw this one coming, but uh, it's a really bad loss for Minnesota. Now, obviously, they're still alive. It's their only loss. It's their only conference loss. They're if they win out uh, and they've got Northwestern and Wisconsin, Wisconsin's not going to be, they're not going down without a fight. So that's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, they're, they're still alive. But if you are, if, if that's, if I'm Minnesota and I am a team to be taken seriously, you got to win that game. That's a game you can't lose. And now it really calls into question if they're for real and if they're going to make a run in the playoffs. So they're going to, if they win out, they're going to take on presumably Ohio state in the big 10 championship game. Their season's not done. So they got a shot to avenge this loss, but they did not do themselves any favors there. And it is now an uphill battle for them to win the big 10 and get a entrance into the playoff. And I think it's very likely that they will end up in that conference championship game against Ohio state. So we'll see what they can do there. Um, but yeah, they still have a couple of games to go. I think if they end up beating Northwestern this week, I think they're automatically in no matter the outcome uh, from Wisconsin in two weeks from now. I think you're correct on that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that, but I don't have it pulled up. <laughs> I know they're one game up on Wisconsin. So yeah, uh, they have to play Wisconsin in the last game of the season. So Wisconsin's got two losses in conference. So I guess they don't clinch it if they win. Right. Well, I think they're going to beat Northwestern this week. So then I think they'll, no matter the outcome, they'll win. Or it, no, because they they be they be a one loss team uh, in conference going up against Wisconsin in the last game of the season, who has two losses in conference. So assuming Wisconsin doesn't get knocked off, then they they, they still have to play to see who's going to win that that side of the division. They do. I'm not sure if the tiebreaker is based on head to head though. Like the Pac-12 uh, is crazy that they don't have head to head as one of the top tiebreakers. Tie it's like third or fourth. Mm, okay, I did not know that. So yeah, we're gonna have to look into that. I don't know. All right. The third game that we had last week may have been one of the best games all season. I still, I actually caught highlights of this uh, last night just to brush up. Baylor was a home underdog against a visiting Oklahoma team. Oh my God. They came out just firing on all cylinders and really put Oklahoma on their heels. Then in the second half, it was a tale of another city story. Sure. Oklahoma <laughs> came absolutely storming back and was able to squeak this one out. I still cannot believe how they were able to win this one. I can't either. Uh, the spread to me, it forced you to pick Baylor at home. They were an undefeated team. 
I, th- I thought they were going to hang in there. We, we talked about that. I thought it was going to be a close game, but the way it started, it's unbelievable that Baylor lost that game. And I think it was another 28 to three scenario, just like the Patriots and uh, the Falcons. So, Oh yeah, that score, you got to watch out for, if you're hitting at 28, three, you better not feel comfortable. If you're <laughs> ahead in that score, it's amazing that Oklahoma won that game. They're not technically dead, but I think that game shows that they're, they're just not a, a team to be taken seriously. Their defense is not good. We've been saying that about big 12 defenses for God knows how long I don't see any path that they can get in there, but it looks like maybe you got a little uh, something to say. Well, you just mentioned Oklahoma's defense and I want to put you on the spot here and guess how many weeks ago. So they were finally able to get some turnovers in the Baylor game. How many weeks prior were they able to have turnovers? How how long has it been? Take a guess. They had been going without getting a turnover on defense. Uh, three weeks. More. Holy shit. Five? Five weeks. Holy shit. You they, can't be taken seriously if you go five weeks a turnover. They hadn't gotten a turnover on defense since September. Jesus. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. They're they're frauds. I Watch me eat my words and they somehow make a miraculous run here, but I, I don't see it happening. Well, and you can imagine that there might be a rematch here with Oklahoma and Baylor playing yep. again in the Big 12 Conference Championship. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on and see where that lands. Uh, assuming Oklahoma wins, I don't know what that means for their their uh, packet for the committee will they, review. They would know. just need they would need absolute chaos to even have a chance, in my opinion. So I don't think that's happening. Yeah, I can see that. All right. The fourth game we had from last week, SEC Auburn plus three against a visiting Georgia team. I had taken Auburn, which lost close game. They ended up coming back um, better than I thought. You had taken Georgia, which won. Were you uh, celebrating with some Georgia faithful during this game? Um, Absolutely. Uh, AK is probably the biggest Georgia fan I know. Um, So we were happy about that one. It was a good win. Um, They just they did what they had to do. Doesn't matter if it was ugly win, a beautiful blowout win. They got the win against a ranked Auburn team, their rival. They needed that win. They're in position. So it was a good win. It hurt. I I caught some of this game. I don't want to go into it. Georgia's defense has been playing phenomenal. And I caught uh, most of the game prior to Auburn actually scoring, which I think was late in the third quarter, even the fourth quarter, but they played very well. And I would love to see them play in the big uh, SEC championship against LSU. Yeah. Hopefully they get there. And uh, I, I think they will, but it's be a hell of a game. All right. The last game from last week, Notre Dame against Navy turned into an absolute blowout and it got ugly fast. I think they had scored something like 17 or 21 points just in the first quarter. They did not even look back. Navy was able to score a couple touchdowns late to make this seem closer than it actually was, but this was not close from the start to finish. Yeah, I hate Notre Dame. I haven't gotten them right all fucking season. I would prefer it if we don't see them on the docket ever again. I just don't want to talk about them. It was a terrible yeah. loss. Just bad. Me- mental note to uh, try to bring all the teams just to troll you back <laughs> in the future, which I'm absolutely doing this week. And I've already oh, queued yeah. up six games for next week. So uh, okay. you can expect to see some of these ones that you just know and love. Awesome. Can't wait. Are you ready to transition to the games for this week? Yes, let's do it. Okay. In the first game that we have, we are going to the big 10. We are going to a very good Indiana team who is home playing the Michigan Wolverines. We have Indiana as a home underdog of plus eight and a half. Who do you like Indiana or Michigan? 
Man, I had uh, written Michigan State uh, or Michigan off real long time ago. So uh-huh. I think I wrote them off after they lost to Wisconsin. And I said they were done. See you later. They lost to Penn State. Confirmed it. But somehow here they are hanging around and they came They're coming off a, a really impressive win. They knocked off Michigan State 44 to 10. OK. Yep. And a few weeks earlier, they knocked off Notre Dame, who we were just talking about, and they knocked them off with ease, 45-14. So they're coming into this game hot. I'll be honest. I had no idea Indiana was uh, this good of a team. I just looked them up earlier today. They're pretty good, and uh, I was not expecting that. So I do think this is going to be a little bit closer of a game here. But what it's going to come down for me is I'm just going to throw out your favorite team here, Rutgers. Okay. And you may be saying, what does Rutgers have to do with this? Well, Indiana played them last week. They won 35 to nothing. Michigan played them a little earlier in the year, and they won 52 to nothing. So if Rutgers is my bar, I'm using that as my uh, little guide here. Michigan minus eight and a half at Indiana is my pick. Love that pick. Love that pick. And just a slight clarification, Indiana played Rutgers two weeks ago. This past weekend, they played Penn State, and they played them close. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Okay. So I, uh, I am right there alongside you. I too am taking Michigan minus eight and a half. My model, uh, has this as a you know pretty close game. It has a Michigan win right around 10 points. So certainly nothing good enough to bet, but just because it's falling slightly on Michigan, being able to cover that eight and a half point spread, I too am going to take Michigan and hope that there's some momentum there that they built over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It's amazing that Harbaugh still is in this position and has a job, but he's really turned that team around. For sure. The second game that we have, we're going to go to back to the SEC. Georgia is a home favorite over visiting Texas A&M, who has their schedule this year has been absolutely brutal. Georgia is 13 and a half point favorite that we're using in the competition. Do you like those Bulldogs as a two touched nearly two touchdown favorite? Or are you going to go with those A&M Aggies? Now, what have I been saying all season long on this podcast that you love the Aggies? Oh man, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. I've been saying that Georgia controls their destiny. They've been doing it all year. They I've been saying it all year. And the one hiccup against South Carolina is your blemish on their record. If they were sitting here undefeated, my God, they would be in the driver's seat neck and neck with LSU. Now I want to throw out a few little stats here. Okay. I'm going to just tell you the last four weeks of Georgia football. Okay, they played Kentucky, known powerhouse. They beat them twenty-one nothing. Oh come on! Okay, they yeah. played Florida. Okay, in a really good game, Florida, a pretty decent team. They beat them twenty-four seventeen, a ranked team, a top ten team, I believe at the time. They played Missouri. They won twenty-seven nothing, and then last week they beat Auburn, a top fifteen team, twenty-one fourteen. What has been in the common denominator there? Their defense is showing up now. I'm going to have you put you on the spot here and say, if you had to look back at the entire season, how many, what do you think is the highest amount of points that Georgia's defense or Georgia has allowed on the season? How many points did they give up? I'm, I'm going to guess, is it the Notre Dame game? It, uh, th- there's a, there's a start cause it is Notre Dame, but it's also a few other teams, but 17 points is the most they've given up to any wow. team all year. Okay. Wow. Their defense is showing up now. The flip side of that is their offense, not so much. They're not really getting in the groove here. They scored 20, 21, 24, 27, 21 over the past couple of weeks here. So I don't know if that offense is enough. 
But like I said, Georgia's coming here to play. They've got this in their own hands. Having said that, <laughs> having said that, no. I think AM covers this spread. 13, no. 13 and a half is too many points to be giving against this Georgia offense. They can't score that much. I think Georgia wins this game. I think they win it by 9, 10, 11. 13 and a half is a lot of points, and I'm taking the points here. Wow. And I thought you were a Georgia Bulldog faithful. How I dare you? They're going to win the game, possibly I by double digits, but not there. You. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to go back to the apology that I started with at the beginning of the show. I am back in the Georgia land. I am back on the Bulldog bandwagon. I am taking Georgia minus 13 and a half here. And I may or may not have bet this game already. My model is seeing this as a Georgia win by about three touchdowns. I am all on board here. I think Georgia comes through and steam rolls the A&M Aggies. I've already been texting my buddy about how A&M is not going to show up here. I am fully on board and knowing that you have taken AM plus 13 and a half makes me feel even better about that pick. Hey, I'm all on board here. If they steamroll, that's a win for me, even though I lose the pick. So I just don't know if it's going to happen. They've, the Georgia offense, they put up 63 against Murray State. They put up 55 against Arizona, Arkansas State. They just don't score a ton of points, and they put up 43 against Tennessee. So I think the last couple of weeks shows what their offense is uh, is doing right now, and I don't know if they're going to score enough to put up 13.5 as a margin. I just know, too, Kellen Mond has uh, really struggled behind a pretty weak offensive line, especially for the Aggies. They're typically been one of their strengths. So to me, this is going to be something where I think the Georgia defensive line is really going to dominate. And uh, I just love them in this spot. And I think that they're going to cover this pretty easily. Okay, I wish it happens. All right. So we're going to the Big 12 for our third game. We have Baylor home against a Texas team. The only reason I'm putting this game in is because I want to bring back the Longhorns and place them in front of you to see if I can get you to pick them yet again. Baylor is the favorite of five and a half points. Who do you like? Do you like Baylor minus five and a half or Texas plus five and a half? The fucking Texas <laughs> Longhorns. I cannot believe this team is back on our goddamn docket. I hate everything about Texas. I, I, let me retract that. I hate everything about picking Texas with spreads. I can't fucking do it for my life. They've burned me every time I've picked them. They've beaten me every time I pick against them. They beat me again. <laughs> I can't stand it. The only thing that I like is that Professor Matthew McConaughey is strolling the sidelines, and that's really the only thing going for Texas at this point. It's going to be really interesting to see how Baylor comes back because not only did they lose to Oklahoma, they lost in a devastating man- uh, manner. I don't know how you bounce back from that, even though they're still alive. Their season is not over. So they're, they're going to have to rebound here. I think they can do it just because I'm not a fan of Texas. I don't believe in Texas. So I'm just going to say Baylor comes out. They put up a rebound game and they, uh, they cover this pretty handedly. I love that pick. I am right there alongside with you. Um, I am taking Baylor minus five and a half. My model sees this game as a Baylor win by two touchdowns. So I love that that. pick. I am not a non-believer in Texas and I'm going with the Baylor bears. Okay. Aren't you glad that I picked against Georgia just so we have a little bit of something to go on here? (laughs) It's been good so far, for sure. All right, the fourth game might be the best game of the week. Maybe not. We'll see. Ohio State is home against a visiting Penn State Nittany Lion team. Ohio State is the favorite by 18 points. Who do you like, Ohio State or Penn State? 
We're going to find out a lot, not just about Ohio State this weekend, but the Big Ten in general, because Penn State caused a lot of ruckus. Okay, they knocked off Minnesota. They with Michigan. So they've been they've been making noise. They're not technically eliminated. Obviously, a win here puts them into the driver's seat in the Big Ten, uh, not only in the Big Ten, but the Big Ten East. So that gives them uh, a nice leg and something to shoot on here. I uh, I'm not sure about Ohio State because they've just been blowing people. They're, just, they're blowing the doors off of them. I can't even get a good read on Ohio State because they've just completely dominated this year. I've been saying it that I think Justin Fields, obviously, he's put up enough this year to show us that he is legit, but they're just blowing everybody out. I mean, even Wisconsin, who I thought might give them a run for their money, Ohio State knocked them off 38 to 7. So they're a real good team. I honestly think that they are going to uh, make a lot of noise in the playoffs. So I'm going to say here that not only does Ohio State get the win here, uh, they're covered this 18. I don't think Penn state is for real, even though they've been frisky. I just, my faith right now in Ohio state is at an all time high. They're just blowing everybody out. And I think it continues. Yep. And we are in agreement yet again. I, after watching, uh, some of the Penn state, Indiana game from this past weekend, it makes me really second guess Penn state even more. Indiana was in that game the whole way. They were able to keep it close, even coming back in the fourth quarter to make it uh, one score game. I just don't see this one uh, being super close. I think Ohio state's going to win. My model has this as Ohio state win by about 21 points. So while certainly nowhere near good enough to bet, I think I Ohio state just squeaks out a cover in this minus 18 point spread. Yeah. Uh, it's the game that I've got circled this week. Uh, I really want to see how Ohio state comes out here. It's going to tell us a lot about that conference, those teams. And obviously if Ohio state is a, uh, a powerhouse to be reckoned with. So I can't wait to watch that one. All right. For our last game, I am bringing in the PAC 12, uh, just so we have a diversity of options here, as well as I love bringing you some PAC 12 matchups that, you know, really put you out of your comfort zone. For this one, we have a home Arizona state team who is a 14 and a half point underdog against the visiting Oregon ducks. Do you like your guy, your coach? I don't remember his name. <laughs> Herm. <Come> on, <laughs> you play to win the game. Do you like Herm Edwards in the Arizona state team? Or do you go with the Oregon ducks? What do you think? Aaron, let me ask you a uh, simple question. <laughs> it's real simple. Why? Do you play the game? <laughs> you play the game to win. Hello? Okay. I just I would be mad at myself if I didn't incorporate that. My boy Herm, though, I feel fucking bad. He's coming off a rough stretch. They lost four in a row. They went down to Utah 21-3, which I think is going to be the, the bar to set for this game. They lost to UCLA, which is rough. They lost to USC and Oregon State. It's just been not good for our guy, Herm. Ah, I hate picking against him, but I think that Utah game is going to be the closest thing for us to compare it to. I just can't do it, Herm. I'm sorry. I hope you win this game, but I got to pick Oregon here. They got a lot on the line. I think they also, Oregon needs to have a style points win. They got to blow the doors out here, and I think it's going to get ugly. I like that pick. 
not so fast, my friend. <laughs> you got a Herm and a Corso. Oh my God. All right. So this is one of those model picks that makes me extremely uncomfortable, but I'm going to stick with it just because I feel like it's been very much dialed in these last couple of weeks. It has this as an Arizona state loss for sure, but it has it only by seven points. Okay. So to me, it's thinking that Arizona state's going to be able to keep up with an Oregon, Oregon team. I know Oregon has bring, bring a very good defense. So I'm hopeful uh, the Arizona state's offense can show up and get past that and score some points. I don't think they're going to be good enough to win. I don't know. Uh, super uncomfortable, but I'm going to go ahead and take Arizona state plus 14 and a half here and have this be another one that we have a discrepancy on. I absolutely love that. You just did that. <laughs> you just gave me a free pick. Uh, How it just, I, um, that surprises me. And I got a guy Herm. I don't like picking against him. We said it. You play to win the game, but I got to take Oregon here, man. Woo. That makes me feel good. We'll see. I have Herm in my pocket here. I'm hopeful that this one's going to come through. Okay. We, uh, we're going to end this segment with a little clip of Herm. I got to throw him in there. I mean, how can you not? So <laughs> I love that. Um, all right. Before we jump, does the model have any free games for our listeners that you really like this week? It's been, uh, it's been hot. It's been uh, very good these last couple of weeks. The uh, I'll call out two just random ones that I'm looking at on my spreadsheet. The first one, that one that everyone's talking about, Southern Miss is playing Western Kentucky. This is on Saturday. The spread that I am seeing earlier was Southern Miss minus five and a half. Now it is Southern Miss minus three and a half. Okay. Um, I love that spread. So my model has this as a Southern Miss win by about 14 to 20 points, somewhere in that range. I am all over them at minus three and a half. Take that to the bank. I'll, I will take Southern Miss. The second game that I'll call out, I'm going to go back to your tried and true fighting Irish team who's Ooh, played baby. Boston College this weekend. Uh I have uh, Notre Dame. The opening spread was at 19. I think currently it is still hanging around at 19. I think this is going to be a Notre Dame win by about 30 points. I am also on Notre Dame minus 19 here. I like both of those favorites. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. I'm not balls enough to pick Notre Dame just because, as I said, I can't get a read on them. And uh, that's Southern Miss game. That's going to be probably the most watched game of the year. Everyone's going to be talking about it. <laughs> I love how you find these games. We talked about last year, just getting into the weeds. I love it. <laughs> Brings me immense amounts of joy for sure. Awesome. Well, there you go. Listeners, you got two free picks. If you want to make some cash, might want to take a look at those lines. Uh, Mr. Model, appreciate this. I'm looking forward to uh, getting a free game from Oregon and jumping up the standings. We shall see, my friend. Let's go talk some NFL. Let's do it. All right. Stay tuned for part two, where we're welcoming back our insider Coulter to discuss the NFL. All right, we are welcoming back our very own NFL insider, Coulter. And Coulter, after hyping up the dogs, we finally lost with the dogs. Yeah, I've had a card full of them in week 11, and uh, the favorites cleaned up in a massive way. Even the Vikings and Niners, who didn't cover the spreads in those games, managed to come back from down double digits and win straight up. It was just not a day for the dogs. 
Um, not many upsets when you look at the scoreboard at all. And uh, that it's juxtaposed to this time last week when we were coming off kind of this crazy bonanza of dogs winning. And then all the night games had the dogs winning straight up. You had Seattle win, Vikings win, and then you had uh, the Raiders win at home on Thursday in week 10. That trifecta of night games with the underdogs winning was so great. We were so pumped coming off of that. We were riding that wave. And then week 11's marquee slate was just such a bore fest. Yeah, I have no idea what to do now. I thought I was seeing the board decently well with underdogs. They came back to bite me. It was atrocious. I got a little stat here pulled up for everyone because I know I was riding the dogs and I was talking them up. So during week 11, the first 12 games, the favorites were 7-4-1 and one against the spread. I mean, that's just that's just killer. Yeah, absolutely. The unders were really popular, too. Uh, in Mexico City on Monday night, that was such a predictable under fiesta. So many bad quarterbacks is another thing that stood out to me last week. You don't win betting on guys like Mason Rudolph, which who I bet on. You don't win betting on Kyle Allen, who I bet on. J- Jameis Winston, Philip Rivers, all those guys. had. What do they have in common? I was on all four of them, and then all four of them threw four picks. They went 0-4 against covering the spread and straight up. Uh, three of those were in the underdog role. I think Allen was favorited, but I mean, that's one thing that stands out to me is just how bad some of these quarterbacks were in week 11. Absolutely brutal. Mr. Model. I uh, was hoping that Philip rivers might come through for our fantasy matchup and give me a undeserved win. And he just laid an absolute shit turd. I loved every second of that. I am just desperate for wins in fantasy football, which we won't get into much here, but I loved beating you. It was a nice little cherry on top for a fantastic weekend for me. Yeah, so glad I traded for Philip Rivers. Wow, that really turned out to be a real genius move. <laughs> so can I just ask you guys before we go into uh, the next segment, is there anything you guys want to say to the New England Patriot Nation that you really were hating on last year? You were talking about those Philadelphia Eagles. Is there anything that you want to say to them? I'll let Coulter take this away because you were uh, big on that one. That was one of your uh, look-aheads. You're saying don't bet on the Patriots. I got to say their offense is worrisome. I'd be a little concerned, but maybe they're saving it for the playoffs. But Coulter, let's, let's take you take that one away. Yeah, lesson to be learned here for junior handicappers everywhere is don't lazily bet the thing that you were talking about the week before. I, you know, I, I literally copied and pasted the, the handicap that I had from our previous podcast into our week 11 preview pod. That is a recipe for disaster. I got caught up in my own handicap and I didn't see the other side of the game. I never even thought about taking the Patriots, which is asinine seeing they're the Patriots. But what I really missed here is Philly had no uh, offensive firepower. Doug Peterson had no ace up his sleeve in the second half. And he was more than willing to lose that game. 17, 10. I mean, there was a moment in the middle of the third quarter. I was like, this is it. This is going to be the final score of this game. Uh, so my only takeaway from that game is, yeah, I apologize to new England. Uh, but I really, as you just pointed out, Kaz, you know, the new England offense was terrible. And my only takeaway really from this game is is that don't get lazy with handicapping and, and kind of copy and paste like I did. Cause that's how, that's, that's how you're going to lose in this, this venture. Um, you know, I did place a little wager on Dallas to win the division earlier this week. Because I watching that game, every single play really showed how limp this Philly offense can be. They can't possibly catch the Cowboys over the next six games. I know it's just a one-game margin, and they play each other head-to-head. But and I know New England's defense is good, but that Philly offense is so not explosive. There, it's the tight ends, and that is it. Yeah. Uh, there's a coaching advantage in the city of brotherly love, but there's a massive talent disparity. I think I'm putting my money where the playmakers are, and that's in Dallas. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. I think that's a good bet. But 
That was a good segue, Coulter, because you were talking about a coaching disparity, and we are about to jump into our segment, our patented segment, the bottom five worst coaches in the league. I don't know if there's going to be a shakeup at the top, but I always love talking about this one. So let's take it away. Give us your number five worst coach in the league right now. I was going to say, let's start because there is a shakeup here at the bottom. The top stays unflinched, unfortunately, for the state of Ohio. But uh, this is one that you don't, you wouldn't think is actually going to be number five. Ron Rivera. Uh, Ooh. This is a new one for the five slot. He actually hasn't even been honorable mention. There's a lot of ripe candidates for this fifth spot. Shermer, Gase, Lynn, Garrett come to mind. They probably really are deserving of this fifth spot. But I'm sorry, what the hell was that last weekend from the Carolina Panthers? I know the narrative is that the Falcons have turned the page here on defense, but I'm not buying that for a damn second. The Saints were out on Bourbon Street celebrating Sean Payton's engagement 24 hours before they got walloped by Atlanta two weeks ago. It cost them and it cost betters as we covered. What the hell is Carolina's excuse for that game? Unless Rivera was proposing to some young lady in downtown Charlotte, I'm missing how a team could come out so flat with its season on the line against a division rival. They never even came close to mounting a comeback in that game. One of the saddest efforts of the year from a team, a clear sign to me that Rivera has lost the locker room. Uh, they, you know, they have the new owner. I would love a prop bet where it says, is he going to be the coach next year? Give me the odds on that. Give me no. There is literally no limit to that. I think he is gone. I think he was in a tough spot too without Cam. And Kyle Allen gave them a little bit of a, I guess, overinflated ego of what they could be. But yeah, I agree. That was an unbelievable loss. Their season is definitely over. I can't see them at all fighting for a wild card spot. And I think I threw out Riverboat Run a few weeks ago as maybe a potential to be in there. Um, however, I got to push back on you here. Are you tell me. That Riverbelt Ron has the advantage over Pat fucking Shermer. Shermer had the buy, so this is like a recency okay. thing. This is purely okay. like the college football rankings of who I just saw last week. Uh, I and what it. I saw from Ron Rivera is, as I pointed out, this team couldn't even mount a comeback. You know, they're not talentless. This is a team that scored points this season. They only scored, what, three or six against Atlanta? Are you kidding at home? And you've, McCaffrey, as we've talked about in multiple different podcasts, is a arguably top five MVP, if not top three MVP candidate, three points against Atlanta season on the line. I mean, what is that? I just don't get it. Mr. Model, if you had to do a prop bet on will Riverboat Ron be fired? Yes or no. What do you got the odds roughly set at? Ooh, that's a good question. Do the next coach and I'll come back and give you some odds. I like it. Okay. Who's at number four? I'm cheating. I'm going to have a tie in the AFC South, and you guys know where this one's going. And it's the same thing with Ron Rivera, Bill O'Brien, and Doug Marone. What the hell? I couldn't keep either of these guys off the list after last week's performance. Both coming off by, both laid a complete egg on the road. Uh, the combined points for those two teams, Jaguars and Texans, was 20. Are you kidding? These are supposed to be offensive coaches. Their offenses look defensive to me. Houston is too talented to score just seven points in a major spot like that. Likewise, Jacksonville, here's a stat for you guys, isn't missing a single starter on offense now that Foles is back. What the hell is their excuse for just putting up 13 against Indianapolis? When you lose this badly off a bye and falls directly on the coach, there's a reason why Mike Zimmer and Andy Reid have such good reputations in this league. They win and cover in this spot 60% to 70% of the time or, or even more than that. You can't say the same for Boob O'Brien and Doug Marone. These guys stink. Therefore, they're tied for respectively for the same exact reasons, coming off a bye and laying an egg like that. Uh, similar to the Panthers, both those teams had to win those games. I mean, Jacksonville is all but eliminated now. And 
Houston is a, in a must-win spot against Indianapolis on Thursday night. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson because he is just being wasted away under Bill O'Brien. They're so talented that they're going to skirt into the playoffs. I feel like they're going to be in there, whether it's the division, maybe they'll get a wild card and it's going to be on the back of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he laid an egg too. He played like shit. Now you want to tell me that they're playing the Ravens and the Ravens defense has got a clicking right now. Fine. But you cannot just show up and just look a complete fucking dud like that. Now, as for the Jaguars, I wonder if anyone is in that front office being like, you know what? Maybe Gardner gives us a better chance right now because I, for one, am not a believer in Nick Foles. I know he's got the Super Bowl. He had the run with Philly. I don't think Nick Foles is that good. His record is what it is. He, he is a average quarterback who got him a hot streak. We've seen it before. If you're the Jaguars, I think they had a little bit of moxie going with Gardner. Now, whether that's real or perceived, I guess that's up for debate here. But I actually think they're a better team with, with Minshew in there, not Foles. Yeah, I can't dock Marone points for putting in Foles just because he's making so much money. Um, and I just go back to the bye week. You know, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think I'm not really sold on Foles as a long term starter. But at the end of the day, push comes to shove. You have 14 days to prepare a game plan for Nick Foles. He's already played with the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. He's used to that guy. How do they come up with an offensive strategy where you can only get 13 points? And likewise, the defense, 33 to the Colts. They have no skill players, no T.Y. Hilton. Marlon Mack broke his hand. I don't know half the guys that are catching passes from Jacoby Brissett, who has a bum knee. The whole situation there is just dreadful. But I agree. I mean, Foles is not the long-term solution at QB. They might be better off with Minshew. But it it goes back to the coaching. I I can't fault Nick Foles for that loss, you know. Yeah. He didn't throw four picks like Jameis Winston or Mason Rudolph. I mean, he didn't play well, but – there's just something about the scheme that isn't, isn't working there at all. And it, it falls on Marone, I think. Yeah. And I mean, these are guys we've talked about. They're no strangers to our <laughs> coach list. So let's be honest. I had Marone as my first coach fired in the preseason pick. Me so. too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that a lot. Happening. I think I'm it's probably time. Back. I'm glad he's back in it. He feel, feel really vindicated that he's, he's back in the top five. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I know it's a slight cheat there putting two people in there, but we'll let it slide. Cause they're both pretty bad. <laughs> We'll just do the top three real quick because these are the usual suspects. Matt Nagy is three. I moved him up two spots. I think he's super overrated. He's being protected by the media. Uh, NFL media out there, if you're listening to this podcast, stop trying to throw Ryan Pace under the bus. This is Matt Nagy's problem. Yeah, Pace brought some bad groceries this past offseason, some bad contracts. But this team still has talent on offense, and Nagy has not been able to tap into it whatsoever, as we've alluded to the last couple weeks. And they're hiding under the quarterback problem, but this guy does not know how to coach the offense. And he's just a mess. There's a total lack of clarity and transparency coming out of Chicago, and it's so unearned. He thinks he's like Belichick Jr., kind of like Patricia. He thinks he's so smart. I haven't seen anything worth that designation. As I've said on the pod before, his coach of the year honors last year were so undeserved. And uh, he's my number one target. I know I have two guys ahead of him, but I think Nagy is such a clown. Um, And the other two, we were there last week. Zach Taylor covered credit to him. He made against the 25th ranked Raiders defense, his offense, this boy wonder genius out of L.A., you know, the Raiders secondary has three of fourths of its uh, starters missing from the beginning of the year. That offense is bad, bad, bad. He's still number two. And Freddie Kitchens, what else is there to say? I mean, yeah, he's won two straight games in a row. He's still number one. Why? Because even in the winning effort last Thursday, the Browns lost big time. Not only did they lose their number one pick for the rest of the season, and Miles Garrett, the franchise wore a black eye for the entire week as the media batted this 
Garrett Rudolph story around like a pinata. This is a rotten culture in that locker room. We saw it a couple of weeks ago with a guy who was on Twitter threatening to kill people. And it comes from the top. Kitchens is responsible. This team is the antithesis of the Patriots. Freddie must remain king of these bad coaching standings until anything changes. I'm surprised you don't have Nagy up there. And I got a few things on Nagy here. If someone could stat check this, just to fact check me, I, if I'm not mistaken, Mitch was drafted before Matt Nagy became the coach, correct? Correct. Yeah. So Matt Nagy has only had two years of Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. So I think that falls on Ryan Pace. And I think ultimately Pace was, is going to pay for that because it's turned out that Mitch is not a franchise quarterback. But the moment that we were talking about before we went on air is that Bears game where Nagy's got Trubisky in a hug, almost like Corleone, Michael Alfredo Corleone. I bet you somewhere in the back of his head, he's whispering, I knew it was fucking you, Mitch. And he just had a bench because two things happened there. So either Matt Nagy lied straight out about what happened there because the facts didn't line up. And I think that's what happened. I think Nagy's lying through his fucking teeth. He knew that Mitch is the, the weak spot on that team, or at least he's not going to let his ship go down with Mitch Trubisky, which I think is what happened. The second option there is that Mitch got hurt at halftime before halftime he got treatment for it, and somehow Matt Nagy, his head coach, did not know that his quarterback was hurt and potentially not going to be the best quarterback for the second half. That is a more damning situation than Matt Nagy potentially lying about his decision to bench his quarterback. Because if you don't know your quarterback's hurt, what the fuck are you doing in that locker room? That bothers me. The other thing I got to quickly say about Matt Nagy, our so quote-unquote genius play caller here, I don't remember what point in the game it was. It was late in the game. It was a third and one. Yeah. And somehow he lines up in a pistol formation, runs an option into the boundary that just gets snuffed out. And, and I think it was like a five-yard loss. And everybody at the time, I think Collinsworth said it. I, and me sitting on the couch, I was like, what the fuck was that play call? You can't run an option in a pistol formation with Mitch Trubisky into the boundary there. It is mind blowing. And it's a perfect example of you going back saying he's thinks he's smarter than he actually is. That play alone should get him fired. Yeah. And, and as you just alluded to, Mitch is hurt or supposedly hurt. Mitch doesn't want to run. That's one of the things I took away from that the game on Sunday. And it's probably been evident in previous games is this is a quarterback who last year was borderline competent. I would even say competent because they went to the playoffs and that's because he was a mobile guy and they were able to put him out in space, kind of like how the, Buffalo Bills use Josh Allen. This guy doesn't want to run anymore. Uh, and so that's kind of an issue. Uh, that's kind of what made him a better quarterback. And whether that's Mitch not wanting to do it or Nagy not trusting him to run, the whole thing is just terrible. Uh, to your point, though, you're right. Ryan Pace should pay. I mean, he's got a, you know, his head is due on a stick uh, stake for picking Trubisky in the first place. But what I was just pointing out is I don't like how the NFL media just thinks it's an open and shut case. It, there's, a, there's a gray area here. It's not... Ryan Pace is guilty of murdering the Bears and Matt Nagy is off the hook. No, they're both responsible. And that's they both have to be held accountable because the play calling is shit, as you said. The interactions with the media is shit. And he's just a, I, I you kind of alluded to it. I think he's a, just a blatant liar. I think he's a liar. And I, I really don't like him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I would not be shocked if they fire him. I wonder if ever there's been a situation in the NFL where a coach wins coach of the year in his first season and then gets fired in a second. I can't see it, but it, it wouldn't shock me because that team is loaded with talent. And if they don't make the playoffs, which they're not going to that someone's got to pay for it. 
I'll, I'll say this is as sure as I am that Rivera is getting fired and I would put a hundred bucks on that in Vegas. I would put a hundred bucks on the flip side. This, this is a sick league that's covered by <laughs> sick people. And they, they are so defensive of Matt Nagy there. I don't think there's a chance that he gets fired. It's just like the guy in Indianapolis, the GM I compared to, uh, I compared Nagy to him a couple weeks ago on the pod. Uh, Grigson, he Grigson. won the, yeah, he won GM of the year in 2012. He didn't get fired until like five or six years later. Meanwhile, he traded Trent or first round pick for Trent Richardson. He should have been fired the moment after that happened, but they kept him along because he won that dumb award and the media just protected him. Meanwhile, he was the worst GM in all of pro football. And you know what? You just made a great argument there, Kaz. I'm moving uh, Matt Nagy up to the number two spot. I can't yeah. put him. Ab- I can't put him above Kitchens just because I think that culture is so rotten. Uh, I don't know if the culture in Chicago is necessarily rotten, but I think he is a bad play caller. I think he's mismanaged the Trubisky situation. And I really think that he thinks he's so much smarter than he is, which is so problematic. Yeah, no, I completely agree there. I'm fine with him being at two, but something's going to happen with that. So Mr. Model, were you able to give us a little, uh, little prop bet odds here? I'm ready. Yeah. And I want to set the context for this first, before I give you guys the odds. So the Carolina Panthers right now are a five and five team, not terrible, not great. Remember their star quarterback who they've looked to and gone to for multiple years in the past has been out for most of the year, certainly hasn't been himself and cam Newton and they've been playing with the backup. So to get to five and five has been okay. And then looking at the rest of their schedule, you know, they have some big games against the saints twice, the Seahawks and Colts. I would expect those to likely all be losses. But on the other, on the other hand, they also have the Redskins and the Falcons on their schedule. And you can imagine that they might be competitive. I'm not going to say that they're going to win, but you'd imagine that they're going to be competitive in those games. So it wouldn't be crazy to see them at the end of the season, getting to something like a seven and nine, a six and 10. So the odds that I'm going to offer you guys right now, at the end of the season, Ron Rivera is coached as I'm putting at minus 600. I'm saying that's right around 85%. I think it's likely that he's going to stay as coach. And the other hand, Ron Rivera is fired before the end of the season. I'm putting at plus 400, which would be about 20%. Wow. I'll take that to the bank every day. So let me get a quick clarification. Are we saying that he's going to get fired before the end of the season or before the start of next season? My, uh, the way I wrote this up is before the end of this season. Okay. So you're saying before black Monday after week 17. Correct. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. So no bet on me on there. Cause yeah, I, I think they move on from him in the off season. I'll bring this game up again later on in the podcast, but I mean, it's just as a Bronco fan, I feel like we're always, we've been tethered to the Panthers ever since we left Levi stadium. I mean, both franchises have just been middling since that game was played. I know Carolina was 11 and five in 2017, but since then they've just been such an average team. I think that new owner is tired of this. I think they get rid of cam. I think they need a new quarterback, a new identity. And I think the, the new owner pushes for that. I just think after the season's over, they're going to be, as you just said, uh, seven and nine, they were seven and nine last year. I mean, two, seven and nine seasons. That's a recipe for, for getting fired. I think. Yeah. And I think, uh, the fact that he's been there long enough, they got to a Super Bowl with him. I don't think they're going to fire him in season. It hasn't been that bad. I think you can chalk up enough of the injuries, especially with cam going down to at least give him the, the respect to not fire him mid season, unless something egregious happens. But I, I do think they're going to fire him in the off season and move on. I think it's time for a fresh start down there. Something that tickled my ear, uh, real quick is you said they're playing the Redskins. Yep. That's right. Uh, that is, that's the bet. 
because that's the way I could bet against Ron Rivera. Money line on the Redskins that game because if he's truly getting fired, the Redskins beat them, and that will be the definitive kind of stake in the heart, so to speak. Um, so if people do like the Ron Rivera take that I'm giving out there, I would definitely highly, highly recommend taking the Redskins money line whenever they play because that will be kind of the uh, straw that breaks the camel's back, I think. Man. And that that game is on December 1st, week 13, so coming up here in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Okay. Dial I don't know if I have. Uh, I don't know if I have the balls to bet the Redskins money line ever, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm a little too aggressive there. One last thing though about the seven and nines, Rivera. This will be his fifth seven and nine season if he gets to seven and nine. So I mean, you just can't have that uh, yeah. repetitiveness. Uh, he's been there since 2011. It it seems like the right time too. It's been a whole decade of Rivera. They had the they kind of peaked in the Super Bowl, and it's just kind of gone downhill from there, as I said. So yeah, I think it's time for a new coach. Okay. That wraps up the worst five coaches in our in our NFL league right now. We're still looking for a sponsor. So we're looking at you, ZipRecruiter. We're looking at you, Quip. Anyone out there, come sponsor this segment. Worst coaches in the NFL. <laughs> so, Mr. Model, if you would be so kind, let's look back at last week's pick and see how everyone is doing. Yep. So, Coulter, you unfortunately went 0-2 in your two picks on the podcast. You had taken Philadelphia plus 3.5 over New England. And you for your key pick, you had taken... Oakland minus 10 and a half over Cincinnati and neither was able to cover. Yeah. The Raiders just too many points. I kind of knew that when I gave it out, but I was just so into that Cincinnati research. Uh, I was not nearly confident enough to make that my two point pick, but I went ahead with it anyways. It was all false bravado. Another key lesson to the listeners, just don't get caught up in the moment. Uh, There's plenty of other games to pick. If you don't feel that that's your best one, don't pick it. And that was definitely not my best one. I just kind of got, carried away bashing on Zach Taylor and the coaching staff. Casale, you, uh, key pick Casale came through yet again. I don't know how you keep doing it. Your non key <laughs> pick Pittsburgh plus two and a half over Cleveland on that funky Thursday night game did not come through, man. That brawl was just fascinating, but your key pick as always, or nearly always did come through. You had taken those New York football jets, plus one and a half over Washington. I still can't believe Washington was favored. That came through and very nicely. Good job by yeah, you. That was yeah. free money. I don't know how that was possible, but yeah, uh, the, the Steelers game, I want that. That should be voided. That whole fight should have voided my bet. I'm throwing it out there on the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fight was insane. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I lucked out and went two and zero. Desperately needed two and zero. Like Casale's key pick, I had taken those Jets plus one and a half over Washington, and then my key pick also came through just barely. Kansas City uh, covered minus four and a half over the Chargers. Thank goodness for Philip Rivers and his terrible performance. Unbelievable that Phil fucking did that. And at this point in the season. There's no way the Washington Redskins could be favored for the rest of the season. They just can't. There's no possible way. If they're favored, I am laying all the money I have on whoever they're playing against. It's getting points. Yeah, they look like a very inept offense with, I mean, Haskins showed signs at the end of the game, but it was already handily away from them. And that defense is just lifeless. And that fan base is just dead. I mean, they're, they're definitely 32 and that's saying something when the Bengals don't have a win and the dolphins have been trying to take now for a year, uh, that the Redskins have them by, yeah, they're just, they're lapping everybody in terms of just being a dismal franchise. Embarrassing. Okay. So for the standings for this week in first place, Yet again, Ryan, you are there with 18 points. Key picks keep coming through left and right. You have 10 wins and 12 losses. 
Listen, when key pick Casley makes a key pick, you want to listen. And that's all it comes down to, folks. We got to get a sponsor for that. Speaking Seriously. of sponsors, <laughs> FedEx, are you out there? Ground yeah. control? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, in second, I'm slowly moving up after a good week. I'm up to 14 points, nine wins and 13 losses. And then Coulter, you are not too far behind. You have nine points, eight wins and 14 losses, even though yet you lead us all in the overall competition that we're doing outside of the podcast. I'm making it a personal goal to really sharpen up here on the podcast. Cause I've just given out too many losers over the last several weeks. This is I think I've got two good ones this week. I'm pretty confident on both. Okay. Well, hey, Mr. Model, since you went 2-0 and last week, why don't you start us off with your picks for this week? Okay. For my first pick, I'm going to go with an 8-2 and two team that is an underdog playing away. I am taking Seattle plus 1.5 playing at Philadelphia. Uh, I was looking at this. Uh, Seattle is coming off of bye. Um, I didn't run my model or anything to again for the NFL, which I haven't been doing the last couple of weeks. I just like the spot. So I look at this as, you know, something that is probably better than a coin flip. I like Seattle in this spot. I feel like they are going to be the consistent team. Can you guess their two losses? San Francisco and the Saints. The Saints and the Ravens. They beat San Francisco. Oh, sorry. Yeah. In overtime. <laughs> that was an amnesia moment. Right there. <laughs> yeah. But to me, they've been incredibly consistent. And granted, there's been a bunch of close games, especially recently with OTs to both the Buccaneers and the 49ers. But they've been able to close out the teams that they should beat. And to me, that really says something about this team. And obviously, Russell Wilson is an just absolute star this year. So I'm going to take them as my first non-key pick. What do you guys think? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good one. You got to go with Russell Wilson. I mean, I, I was on him. Uh, with my, one of my best bets two weeks ago when they played the Niners and won that one. So, I mean, you can, you just can't fade the best quarterback in the league right now. It wouldn't make any sense. Uh, Philadelphia, as we mentioned, breaking down that new England game just doesn't have an offensive uh, pulse and they don't seem like they are going to come up with one in the next six weeks, unless uh, Deshaun Jackson magically comes back because they, and he won't cause he's on IR. So this is an offense that just has no vertical threat. Aguilar keeps dropping passes, as we all saw in the end zone there at the end of the game. Uh, Sanders is a good running back, but they haven't really fully weaponized him yet. And Peterson, as I said, just doesn't have the ace up his sleeve like he had a couple years ago. Um, I thought he might have because they beat the Packers on that Thursday night game. And it seemed like this guy still has some of that, you know, magic from that 2017 run. But it's pretty clear to me now that this is not a playoff team. Um Anytime where you are down by seven points at your own home field in a must win situation, and you really just don't even muster a comeback at all in the second half, you're not a playoff team. It's the same reason why I don't like the Panthers. Uh, they didn't really ever come close. I know Aguilar had that ball in his hands, but that was a miracle throw. Wentz made a great play getting that ball off. Um, that was it. That was the only time that they were even close to sniffing it. And yeah, so the Eagles are limp on offense. Go with Seattle. Yeah, that offense in the Phillies just cannot compete here. I do envision this game being close, but the fact that Seattle's getting points here, I love. Uh, I hate that I'm picking with the model on this one, but you want to know something? I got this as my key pick of the week. Whoa! I just don't see it, man. I, I watched that game uh, in its entirety, again, the Eagles and the Patriots game. I know uh, New England's defense is stacked, but Seattle's defense has been playing pretty well. Javian Clowney's really starting to take over games. I like 
Russell Wilson getting points anywhere. Uh, but I don't think Philly is uh, the team that's going to be able to knock that train down. So I'm, I'm riding that. I think I don't, I went back and forth on which one I was going to make my key, but I, I'm feeling pretty confident that this is going to be my key pick. I just don't trust Philly's offense to keep up with Seattle, and I do think Seattle wins this. And I, the fact that they're getting points, I love. One other thing too to mention here, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head. You take Russell Wilson with the points whenever you can get it. Uh, the other thing too to highlight here is Philadelphia might be down left tackle Jason Peters. Hello, J. Devon Clowney. Last time we saw him, he had ten quarterback knockdowns on Monday night against Jimmy G. Carson Wentz, just like any quarterback, just like Brady, anybody else, if you get in his face and knock him down a bunch, this is not the same quarterback that was charging ahead for the MVP two years ago. Like this guy is, he's a good quarterback. I like Wentz a lot, but I think if Clowney's in his face as much as he was in Garoppolo's, I mean, geez, that is such a mismatch. So definitely monitor that Peters injury. If he is out, that is for sure best bet. And, uh, Keep it Casley. You can't go against him either. You can't go against Wilson. You can't go against keep it Casley. Great job. That's right. You heard it it. here first. (laughs) I just don't think there's an advantage in the game. I mean, where does Philadelphia have an advantage? Maybe the run defense against Chris Carson, but that's where you have MVP Russell Wilson. Just throw it off the top of the defense. I just, they have that new tight end. I like him too. Uh, Haas. I forget his name now, but yeah, no, Uh, it's uh, no, it's Hollister. Cause I remember Hollister. thinking of the store. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like Hollister and they got three receivers. I don't think Philadelphia has enough defensive backs to guard, uh, Gordon Metcalf and, and Lockett. I love that passing offense. Even if they stop the run game, I think Wilson can go vertical. Yeah. Oh, now I want to make that my best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, my, my, my two picks are actually both the teams that played in the Super Bowl last year. My best bet. Number one is the Rams plus three and a half. This is a simple one. I'm fading the public again. I didn't learn my lesson last week uh, when I faded the Patriots. 90% of the bets are on Baltimore here. I am going to go up against the pros and the Joes again. Um, It's the same exact line, too, in the same exact spot, with L.A. being the home team getting three and a half. So I really haven't learned my lesson here. But this is what it really comes down to. My betting philosophy has always been fade the public. Why? Because there's nothing more enjoyable than winning a game when 90% of the other betters is on the other side. <laughs> it, you know, I was deprived that amazing, glorious feeling with Philly last Sunday, but just like any addiction, I'm going to keep searching for it. I'm going to keep chasing the dragon. So give me the Rams and the points. And this is a, my, my key point of the handicap here is my old grandfather, Wade Phillips versus Lamar Jackson. I trust Wade to figure out how to limit the league MVP. I know he's been beaten, uh, beaten up relative lightweights recently with Andy Dalton, Mason Rudolph, and Mitch Trubisky, and that the perception of the Rams defense might be improperly skewed. However, my handicap isn't even based on this year's Rams team. It's just Phillips' scheme. This is a defense that limits mobile quarterbacks. I saw it for four straight years in Denver, and we all witnessed it crescendo in Super Bowl 50, as I alluded to earlier, when Vaughn and the boys smacked Cam around the yard. That Panthers team really, really reminds me of this year's Baltimore club. You take away the QB, and what else do they have? I'm going to be asking that question every week until we get to the playoffs. I love Lamar Jackson. I think he's the MVP. He's been their propeller, but without him, they would be lost just like Carolina was on that fateful night in Levi stadium. He is that important to the offense. I think Wade Phillips figures out how to isolate him. And I think he takes away the league MVP better than at least the the previous three teams have. And I, I just don't trust Baltimore's receivers. I just think that offense falls apart if you can limit him as a runner. Um, and that's my handicap. And I think there's value here too. The look ahead line last week was Ravens minus one. Now it's three and a half. 
Uh, believe it or not, when the season started, they do look ahead lines on Monday night games in July. This game was seven and a half. The Rams are worse. Baltimore is better. But is the margin really that much? I'll pay the price to find out. Mr. Model, what do you think? Well, I have this as my key pick, but I am on the exact opposite oh, side of everything baby. you just said. Uh, head to uh, head. No I am love, taking no love for Grandpa Phillips, huh? None. I am as my key pick. I am taking Baltimore minus three and a half over the LA Rams. And here's my thinking. I think Baltimore offense, especially Lamar Jackson, is just clicking on all cylinders. Now, if you guys had to guess, tell me how many points you think they've scored in their lowest, worst scoring game throughout the year so far. What do you think? It was probably was against, it the against the Browns, the, right? Yeah, it was against the Browns. 20? It's close. It wasn't the Browns. Ooh. Oh, the, the Ravens game or the Steelers game. Sorry. Where they had the game winning field goal. Is that it? Yep. Isn't the Steelers Bengals? Yes. Wow. It, it's actually um, two games. So Arizona Cardinals and Bengals, they scored 23 points as their lowest scoring. Holy shit. But those are two terrible defenses. Doesn't that make my point for me? Arizona's 32nd in the league, I think, against the pass and ball and Bengals are 32nd against the run. Those are terrible offenses. Those are what I'm or saying. Defenses. Where I'm coming from is that I, I, struggle to see the LA Rams offense with Goff, who hasn't been as good as, you know, what we've seen in the past. Do we think that they're going to get to 20? So assuming the worst performance that we've seen from Baltimore so far this year, which I wouldn't be shocked to see them score 27 or, you know, 30, something like that. Do we then think that the Rams are going to be able to keep up? And, and my answer here is no. I think the Baltimore defense has been playing uh, really well, especially the last couple of weeks, giving up only seven points to the Texans, 13 to the Bengals, 20 to the Patriots, or sorry, 17 to the Patriots, no, 20 to the Patriots. So to me, this is my key pick. I'm going with Baltimore Ravens uh, minus three and a half, and we'll see how it falls. I uh, hate to say this, but now I'm with the model again. I got Baltimore this game too. Um, I just, I witnessed that LA offense struggle mightily and granted the bears defense is, is legit. Uh, but I do think the Ravens defense is also pretty legit. They're, they've stepped up in a big way. They held a, what I would consider an explosive ish offense in the Texans to almost nothing. I think they can do it again to the Rams and Coulter. I, I agree with a lot of your points, especially the fact that if they can take away Lamar Jackson, they're going to stand in a good position. I just don't think they're going to be able to take him away. And I know the facts of what he, what Wade Phillips did to cam is very compelling, but I think Lamar is even more explosive and he may not be a bit as good of a passer necessarily, but I've seen some incredible runs from Lamar Jackson that I just don't know how you stop. And I don't think the Rams have the weapons to stop him. They have the two best defensive players in the league, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I, I I can see Aaron Donald being able to do that, but if he's coming up the middle, they're gonna have to get creative with him because he if he's coming up the middle, that's not gonna do it. You're, they're gonna have to put Darren, Aaron Donald on the edge there and mix up some ways to to stop him. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I fully can see the point where the Rams get blown out in this game because the offense is too weak because they don't have uh, offensive linemen. That's definitely a huge. I put it in my notes. One big concern, offensive line Rams total advantage for the Ravens with their front seven against Jared Goff. I definitely see that point, but I just, I want to know what the Baltimore Ravens look like when Lamar Jackson doesn't run for 50 plus yards, because when he does their offense hums like a little hummingbird, but when it doesn't, this is my bet comes down to this. 
if he's under 50 yards, that offense isn't going to score 25 points. I just don't see it. And you know what? You're right. I don't think the Rams are going to score a lot, but all it takes is one, you know, fumble and then golf gets short field and the game ends up 24, 22 or something like that. And I win. So uh, yeah, I, my bet is strictly on Lamar getting limited and your guys are definitely bringing up some good points. I'm not blind to the fact that the Rams offense has been bad and they are definitely banged up on the offensive line. They need this game though, too. That's the other point. This is a must win for them. I know it's a must win for Baltimore to keep up with new England, but the Rams cannot afford to lose. Uh, this is a team that will miss the playoffs if they lose this game, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. I already hit my key pick here. So let me give you my non key pick. And I debated between another game, but ultimately I am settling on the new Orleans saints minus nine and a half at home against what I would consider a lifeless Carolina team. The only thing that worries me about this is Christian McCaffrey. He is the absolute wild card in this. A backdoor cover has got me shaking in my boots already. And it's only Wednesday. Uh, I just think that New Orleans is is a much better team. I think that the uh, game last week settled a lot of my concerns for the Saints. I wasn't sure how they're going to rebound after a bad loss to the Falcons. They did. They did so in a big way. Uh, they're at home, which is a very, very huge advantage. The coaching mismatch is there with Sean Payton. Give me Drew Brees and Sean Payton over Riverboat Ron and Kyle Allen. The one thing I would say to this, I, I have the Saints in our pool, and uh, and I won't change it because of the Riverboat Ron thing. The one thing I'm going to say is the look ahead line for this game was six, and now it's nine and a half. So the Saints are pricey by a field goal and a half. That's my one thing. With that said, I, I highlighted this in the Ron Rivera rant. The Saints lost to the uh, the Falcons because they were out partying and celebrating Sean Payton's engagement. That's the only reason why that game went so haywire. I can't believe more people have not talked about that. They were literally partying on Bourbon Street on Saturday morning, like early <laughs> in the morning, like 24 hours before playing the Falcons. I, obviously, they were going to lose that game. You can't do that in the NFL, no matter how bad your opponent is. Even if you're playing the Redskins or the Bengals, you can't just go out and party. You know, uh, They're going to be totally focused. This is a team that wants the number one seed. I think they can see it. They have the Niners coming up. They beat the Niners. This is a team that can get home field advantage for the second straight year in a row. The playoffs going through the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. That's what they want. That's if I'm Sean Payton, I'm totally focused and they won't have a problem getting margin on the Panthers because the Panthers can't come back as we already have pointed out several times. Yep. And I'm in agreement here with you guys. Not much to add. Nine and a half is a lot of points, but I think New Orleans can cover. I too am taking them this week. All right. Coulter hit us with the key pick. Key pick. This is a little bit square. I'm fading the public with my first one and I'm riding with the public on my second one. Pat's six and a half. This is square, but you know what? I'm not going to fool around here. This is one of the five biggest coaching discrepancies of the year and easily the best defense Dak Prescott has ever faced in his career. He turned up flat last year against those Rams that I was just talking about in the playoffs. Another mobile quarterback who struggled against Wade Phillips. Uh, that defense was good, but they are distant, distant second to how good this new England unit is. As we just saw on Sunday, the, the Cowboys literally have zero room for error in this game. If they get behind seven to 14, nothing, it will be a long, long Sunday for Dak Prescott and Jason Garrett. Two big key points here. Motivation for margin. Pats have the Ravens dipping at their heels. As I just talked about with the Ravens game, they do not want to travel again for the AFC championship game. They got fortunate last year in Kansas city. Uh, to eke out that win on the road. I'm going to say this one now, and I'll say it again until I'm hoarse. The Pats will not make the Super Bowl if they're going on the road this year. They want to be at home. They need to be at home. They are motivated to be at home. 
Uh, I think Belichick knows that. I think Brady knows that they are going to go full throttle. I think uh, the other key part of the handicap is Dallas is exhaling. They're riding high off of beating a backup quarterback in a very bad Detroit defense. They have a game up on Philly. They're breathing a little easier than they did this time last year or this time last week. I give me a team that's coming in too confident against new England. Every time, give me the Patriots. I mean, this is a recipe for disaster for them. And we know how the Cowboys have tracked in these big games. What is Garrett's career and career record in big game situations like this? It has to be under 40%. Um, if Doug Peterson couldn't come up with anything to counteract new England at halftime, do we really expect Jason Garrett to make a set adjustment? Not a chance. Yeah. This one I've changed literally three times. Uh, Cowboys can score. So that's the only thing that concerned me. If that spread was more than a touchdown, I'd be all over the Cowboys six and a half though. I am just so split on this because yes, Detroit, a bad team. They shouldn't have no business staying in that game with the Cowboys and the Cowboys kept it interesting for whatever reason. Their coaching mismatches maybe as big as anyone this week. I'm I, I like Dak. I think they can keep it close, but I think New England wakes up for this one. I think they're going to, whether it's seven, whether it's eight, I think they're going to win this game. It'll be close though, but maybe a field goal at the, uh, like late in the fourth sways this one in terms of the spread. Uh, I'm with you. I'm taking the, the paths. I do not feel strongly on this one. When I went through and did my first pass with my gut, I landed on the home team. I landed on the Dallas Cowboys plus six and a half. No, they're away. Yeah, they're going to New England. Oh, wow. They're away. Huh. Okay. Um, There's not much of an advantage in Dallas either. That's a no no home field situation. Uh, But I get you what you're saying. Yeah, if they were getting six and a half at home, I'd be taking the Cowboys too. I don't know. I, um, I... As of right now, I'm on Dallas plus six and a half. I very well could change that between now and Sunday. I I don't really know what to think about this one. I I could very much see New England's defense showing up and shutting down the Cowboys offense, but I would have loved to have seen more offensive cohesion from the Patriots uh, on last Sunday. Uh, They they were able to get it done, but didn't look pretty, that's for sure. I don't know. I'm a big question mark. Oh, you go ahead. I was just going to say this game, I, I just can see going either way. That's why I'm not uh, jumping on this one. I do think the coaching mismatch, like I said, is huge. I think new England is motivated to stay ahead of Baltimore. Like you said, I think those little uh, elements there are enough to sway me to the Pats. I've, I've raised this point on the podcast and this is the one note, as I said, for the Rams, their offensive line is the one note that has me a little concerned. And I've said this about the Patriots several weeks, and it hasn't fully come to bite them in the butt in terms of the spread, but this will happen. I can guarantee over the next six games, if not eight in the playoffs, they have no kicker. That is not a team you want to be betting six and a half points with. I know I'm on the Patriots this week, but if you're going to be betting them, be fully, fully aware that this is a team that does not trust its kicking game. They've had three kickers this year, a boatload of missed extra points. Be very concerned about that. I mean, literally the only thing I'm concerned about in my handicap is the kicker. What does that say? Yeah. It's a problem for New England, I think, personally. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the playoffs. Uh, I do want to end here with one little ditty here, a game that I'm not touching with a 75-foot pole, and that would be the Cleveland Browns-Miami Dolphins game. I got a little stat for you. It's only the third time since Cleveland has come back into the league in 1999 that they are a double-digit favorite, okay? The first time was in 2007 against the San Francisco 49ers. They were an 11.5-point favorite. They won 20-7. to So they covered Brady Quinn. 
Yep, back in those weird years. This one, though, is a little bit more relevant. So it was last year, Baker Mayfield's riding high. It's December 23rd against the Cincinnati Bengals. They were a 10-point favorite, and they won the game 26-18. to So they didn't cover the spread. I think that is a little bit more indicative of what we might expect this week because the Dolphins are frisky for whatever reason. But I'm not touching that game. I don't want to put money on it. I don't want to have it as many any of my picks on record. But I would be very curious to see if Cleveland can hold up as a ten and a half point favorite. They showed a lot of good signs on Thursday night before that incident happened. But it is important to note they're missing two defensive starters because of that brawl. Um, and Brian Fitzpatrick, that's a quarterback I trust covering the spread yep. uh, or backdoor covering the spread. I should say he's almost kind of taken over the Philip rivers role. Now that R- rivers, the back door is closed on rivers entirely. This guy cannot cover a spread to save his life. As we talked about earlier. Uh, but I, I still trust Ryan Fitzpatrick fourth quarter down 17 or whatever, get in the end zone, cover the spread. The 10 and a half is nice because if, if that's the situation they almost had the same thing happen to Buffalo this past week, down 17, driving with the football. They didn't get the cover, but it was the same exact type of thing where if that's the game, if it's 37-20, I trust Ryan Fitzpatrick at least half of the time to get that touchdown and cover the spread. And I don't think Miami's ever going to be down 17 in this game. I, Cleveland's not that good. Freddie Kitchens, come on. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, that was a pleasure. I hope to maintain my uh, first place lead here with a key pick once again. That is episode 57 in the books. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.